1: questions that will be answered in week one. That's what we're talking about today on Stealing Bananas. We did one episode on this already. We're doing a second. My name is Ben Gretsch. You can follow me on Twitter at Yards Per Gretsch. You can find my Substack at bengretsch.substack.com. With me as always is Sean Siegel, who you can find at Rotovis. Sean, the first time through, we talked pretty extensively about the Thursday night game, the, uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks and Dallas Cowboys matchup. Some, some immediate thoughts about that from a fantasy perspective. We talked about some of The offenses we have looked at the most, Bengals and the Chiefs and the Browns, some of these games in week one that could be really pretty exciting. You left it as a little bit of a cliffhanger where I had asked you about your Ryan Fitzpatrick ranking and this Washington and Chargers game. Uh, We were going to pivot over to that. So with Fitzpatrick, I think
2: the interesting thing for me will be almost is he too good right is he too efficient one of the things i think people are still anchoring to this idea of the old ryan fitzpatrick where if you look at what he did last season he's really morphing into you know more of your philip rivers your kurt warner uh, types of guys who as older players didn't have the arm strength of stars but were very very good and when they had the weapons around them were able to move the offense. We've talked a little bit this offseason about Ryan Fitzpatrick is a guy who will throw some interceptions because when he's played for poor teams and he's in there late, he wants to move the ball. He wants to win the game. He's not someone who is a stat protector, who's going to sit back and be like, okay, well, people are going to look at me throwing these interceptions and say, oh, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't know what he's doing. He's an interception machine and you know, he can't be a starter, right? He's looking at it as what I'm in here for is to win the game. You can only win the game if you attack. And yet at the same time, he's transitioning into a guy who, you know, played for a Miami team last year that was pretty solid. And he was able to do some of those things without making some of those mistakes or without being forced into the situation where he's got to attack late in order to try and come from behind. I think Washington is going to be very good, right? They've got an elite defense. You've got Terry McLaurin. You've got Logan Thomas, who I think is going to take the next step this season. You have De'Ami Brown, who has supposedly been one of the breakout players of their camp, We love his profile with coming off back to back thousand yard seasons, the really long yards per reception. I mean, he is a playmaker, right? And has looked good in camp. The only kind of question mark that they have is that Curtis Samuel now uh, a question mark, right? And Samuel is good. He's got the speed. He's going to challenge the defenses, but I'm not sure that he's the key piece of this team to where it's almost like if you take out some of the targets to Curtis Samuel, he might be able to replace them with better targets to the other players on this team. And we know they're probably going to use Antonio Gibson. Uh, they, they may work in some receptions for McKissick. It'll be interesting to see if Jarrett Patterson carries over some of his preseason play to taking some of these third down touches. If you're going to have the Gibson touches in there anyway, I don't think you necessarily also want the Curtis Samuel touches. So uh, this Washington team should be fun. I hope that they attack. My concern is that they're going to be in a situation where they may not need to, Because they have an efficient offense and a quality defense, probably not the kind of coaching staff that's going to say, let's, you know, beat people by three touchdowns. The other thing just with Fitzpatrick is with that kind of as the context, there are a number of guys sort of in the same range. And so it's really a same tier still. It's not like Fitzpatrick is moving out of that tier into a different tier. And So that's kind of how I see that team. You were saying that this game could be a lot of fun, but now we do have some concerns about the chargers, Justin Herbert seems like he's ready to take the next step, but his teammates haven't seemed to be coming with him during training camp.
1: Yeah. And, and I'll note we're recording this Friday morning. We just got news this morning. You may, may not have seen it yet, but Curtis Samuel did get placed on IR and will be missing at least the first three weeks of the season. And so that's actually, you know, to your point, I I, I don't know. I mean, we don't want to Say it as a negative, too much of a negative for Curtis Samuel, but it, it may not be as big of a blow as as you know some would think. I, I it will probably open up snaps for De'ami Brown immediately in these first three weeks in a way that could actually be very positive. They have Adam Humphreys, who apparently looked very good in camp, who I would expect to play in the slot. I don't know that Brown will be clearly in all the three wide sets. That's something I'm I'm very much going to be looking forward uh, to tracking because we might see some Cam Sims or some of the other guys as the other outside receiver alongside, alongside Terry McLaurin. But yeah, the chargers are going to be very interesting. Uh, we don't know about Eckler's health. We don't know about whether Mike Williams can really separate in, in some of the ways we talked about with, you know, the concerns for Mike Evans in our, in our first, uh, you know, sort of preview convert conversation, we are. Pretty sure I would say from from last year's data that Jalen Guyton's not going to be a guy who's going to earn big targets. I I would say I'm concerned about Josh Palmer. He certainly has all the opportunity in the world in front of him. So people who are taking him very late in drafts, I don't have much of an issue with that. Doesn't really have the prospect profile though. So it will be interesting to see if he can step up right away. But yeah, it looks like it's going to need to be Keenan Allen. Now, the good thing is Keenan Allen is probably... You know, maybe not the best, but right right there, I would say in the top three best route runners in the NFL is amazing at earning targets and is somebody who, as I've projected the Chargers over the years, I've always done his target share first and then dealt with everyone else because he's the kind of guy who gets his as a legitimate number one, regardless of defensive attention and all those things. Some of that obviously is related to the area of the field, the shallower area. It's very similar to Michael Thomas, I would say, in that regard, when Michael Thomas is at his best. But, uh, yeah, I, I think you you were right to sort of allude to, to Keenan Allen as being somebody who could have just a monster target share. I think Justin Herbert's going to need that. I mean, Keenan Allen is probably going to start the season very, very hot before they have, you know, Eckler healthy and, and some other things established. I, I, I'm concerned about the Chargers. I think especially going against a really good Washington team, I, I, I would say an absolutely elite defensive line, especially, that's going to make Herbert have to get the ball out quickly in this first game and not necessarily be able to try some of the downfield things that he wants to do uh, to guys like Mike Williams, to guys like Jalen Guyton. They hit on some big plays last year, certainly on some extended plays, and Herbert's very good at that, but it's going to be harder to do against Washington for sure. So um, it feels like a game where where, uh, Allen's in line for like 15 targets, but also the Chargers as an offense just maybe aren't
2: aren't very effective. That's the way I see it as well, and I think the one – kind of pick i would like to have back maybe of all of the picks that we made this offseason is when we took justin herbert in the seventh round with davis in that fbg because i don't i don't think that that really is set up to pay off at this point whereas uh, it was a flat area we talk about drafting quarterbacks in the flat areas and yet it, it it's not set up at this point to be a home run pick for us uh, even if he plays well there are going to be some some issues there i but maybe a, a game that we're pretty invested in when we shouldn't be because of our selections. And, and we'll kind of steer away from uh, the non-football news here. But Lions 49ers, it would be exciting to see DeAndre Swift take a lot of receptions late in this game. Uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo being the week one starter, we could see Brandon Ayuk, Debo Smith, George Kittle. All of those guys really pay off of their ADP at least until the offense changes in a way that maybe later in the season, if it's a more run-oriented attack, you know, around Trey Lance there that maybe they won't. Are are you excited to see this 49ers team with their guys healthy? It it feels like we've never really seen them all play together. And so the idea of Kittle, Ayuk, Samuel, all going out there, all healthy, still having a passing quarterback – that week one could be an avalanche of points for the 49ers sort of in the same way that we saw from the Cowboys and the Buccaneers on Thursday night.
1: I don't know if we're going to see that necessarily. My read on this is that we might see a lot of, a lot of San Francisco rushing and especially if they're effective. I think, I think that's the way that the Kyle Shanahan would like to start the season and see if that duo of Mostert and Trey Sermon can be effective. And, and if they are that, that we might have just a really heavy rush lean overall, which would be not ideal necessarily, but we will so you're see. You're
2: saying they're going to come out and do what they did to the Packers in the postseason a couple of years ago. And that none of these three guys should have been drafted even within a couple of rounds of where they're going. Well, I mean,
1: they may, they may prove to be that, that way, but, uh, or, or be worth those picks, but uh, against the lions, especially right away. Um, the other game I'm thinking of is, Man, it must have been two seasons ago that started their really big run. All that ended up going all the way to the to the Super Bowl. They had an early season game against the Bengals on the road in Cincinnati, where they just committed to the run early and were like one of the biggest run leans. And they ran for like 300 yards. Or it was I can't remember all the stats, but it was an absurd situation where they kind of just went with the the college offense when the the opposing team can't stop you from running the ball every play. They just run every play. That that may not be exactly the way it plays out. I'm very excited about the pass catchers for San Francisco, but if Detroit is not up for the challenge, now Dan Campbell will be biting some knees if they aren't. If they're getting bullied around on the ground, so maybe I'm maybe I'm understating the toughness of uh, of the Lions there a little bit. I actually thought you were going to go to the Broncos Giants game, which we're also <laughs> very heavily invested in some some gross games because of some teams that we have exposures to uh, the Broncos. Obviously, Judy and. Hamlin a late and every room uh, on every team and uh, plenty of Javante Williams. And that's one that'll be really interesting. I, but the the biggest one I think we have to talk about before we get off is the Baltimore rushing attack. Uh, they have just had so many injuries. I mean, after JK Dobbins went down, the big discussion was Gus Edwards or justice Hill or excuse me, Gus Edwards was going to be the guy, but then, then you had justice Heller or, or Tyson Williams and, those are sort of the three names that were like, okay, that's going to be the running attack. Now, obviously at this point we've, we lost Hill and then, you know, that was maybe not as exciting to some or as exciting of a plate to some as it may have been, you know, for me. And I, I think for you too, probably Sean. And then we also lose Gus Edwards on top of that. So now we have Williams, all these old guys. I don't necessarily know how they're going to deploy it. It's a Monday night game. So you don't know who's going to be active. I just, I think it's worth, worth sort of saying that, there's just so much uncertainty. I I think in week one you can certainly and probably should play Tyson Williams a little bit. At the same time, um, you know if you have him on, on rosters and, and you're more of in a zero RB spot, I, I I have some spots where I'm going to play him as the RB two for sure. But at the same time, any of these other guys, people want thoughts on Le'Veon Bell and Devonta Freeman and Latavius Murray and what it all means and who, you know who who's going to be active. Even we we don't know. We we don't know. You know we know that Bell and Freeman are on the practice squad. We don't know, you know, what Murray's status would be this quick because he just signed yesterday basically during during Thursday night football during the opener. Do you have any, like, major thoughts on how that could play out or, or is it more just uh, we're going to have to, you know, for people who want to stash those players, I, I'm not even sure how excited I am in any of them, but um, I don't think you're playing any in week one.
2: No, probably not any of the veterans. The question now becomes, how do you play it for free agency? Right. And we get a lot of questions about, okay, well, I've committed to zero RB and I'm excited about it. I have this fun team where I do think I'm going to be able to really put it on my opponent uh, at the flex positions through the bye weeks one of the things that you were noting is that it does look like Gallup is going to miss time now or disappointed for the teams that we drafted him. But one of the things about zero RB is that we have the depth to withstand that, right? So it's not as devastating for us as it would be for a more balanced build. The question then of like, how do we play these zero RB teams as we go through is an interesting one. And we've kind of already seen early on how some of these things can happen. Now, Colin Kelly and I drafted an extreme zero RB team for in the FBG for one of our Rotavis OT shows, and Colin got a lot of uh, fun feedback on that one on social media because it was a Travis Kelsey team that I think we took no running backs in the first nine rounds, and maybe only one in the first thirteen. But then in the first free agent period, we added Sony Michelle and Williams. Right. So immediately you can see how zero RB works as you start to move through the season where we have those guys now with James Conner, and we have three pretty legitimate options right away, along with having this team that will just be able to hammer people, number one, at tight end and then through all these wide receiver and flex positions. And so you want to be aggressive when you have those opportunities. You also want to remember that more opportunities are going to come up. Right. Because the thing that I was thinking just, you know, 24 hours ago and again, we're recording this you know, on a Friday morning, but it was it's gonna be very difficult to compete with teams where people got Gus Edwards early on. People who got Gus Edwards at his original price, I mean, those teams are gonna be almost unbeatable in the first month of the season. And then 24 hours later, the question is, okay, well, what's gonna happen in Baltimore? We're gonna see this happen on other teams, and you wanna be prepared to deal with this benefit from it uh, when it works out. I mean, it's sad though, right? I mean, no one is rooting for Gus Edwards to get hurt. I mean, this was a situation where he's going to have this phenomenal opportunity for his career. And so uh, it's sad for him. It's sad for Justice Hill. Obviously it was sad for JK Dobbins, Cam Akers. I mean, those guys, Travis Etienne, we're not rooting for any of that. I mean, these are real people who, it was going to be fun to watch them play, right? I mean, zero RB is not rooting against running backs. It's a structural approach that allows you to have a dominant draft, but I mean, we want to see these guys on the field. And so just from a personal perspective, this is frustrating and sad. It's not something where you know we're taking victory laps or anything like that, but we wanted to see these guys play. With the Ravens, I think Williams now has this incredible opportunity because those other guys, it just doesn't seem like they can possibly be up to speed for week one. We still believe in Lamar Jackson, You know, Marquise Brown looks like he may be able to to play and do some things. They've got Mark Andrews there. Uh, The team is going to still move the ball, right? They're going to still run the ball effectively. I would love to see Williams grab a big share, score some touchdowns, break off some big plays so that as they go into week two, the Ravens don't feel a lot of pressure to – to put those veterans into positions that they frankly don't seem ready for, right? I mean, Le'Veon Bell was very, very bad last year with the Chiefs and people talk about, okay, well, Darrell Williams is the backup there. I mean, he's been a good second string player with the Chiefs. That was only because Le'Veon Bell completely bombed that opportunity. And the Chiefs added him because they didn't think that Williams was good enough, right? But I mean, Bell couldn't do it. You know, Devontae Freeman has not been good for a while. Latavius Murray is cut from a team that really does need a quality sort of co-conspirator there with Alvin Kamara. And so I think there have to be questions about where he is at this point. So you'd like to see the, the young guy get his chance and really flourish with it. I guess I'm betting a little bit in that direction. And then probably then the second player you would sort of prioritize. And in for free agency, it might be a little bit problematic because he's owned more often. Uh, but that would be Latavius Murray. Now I think has to jump to the second spot. Would that be your
1: read as well? Yeah, that's sort of how I was taking taking it. But I, I'm, I guess, a little bit skeptical that any of the veterans will be cons- like consistently productive. They'll probably have points of of usefulness, and it's worth grabbing them. We already had some concerns about the offense in general being, you know, willing to target the running back position. Uh, I do think we'll see. Them lean more towards the past than, than we were expecting with the, with all of this, uh, you know, prior to all of this, but I mean, they've also lost Rashad Bateman for a significant chunk of the season. And and Marquise Brown has dealt with some, some health issues in the off season. And so there's a lot certainly hitting them all at the same time. I mean, the, the clearest thing as we get further and further and further is just how, you know, right. You, you were, I guess, or maybe, you know, because of injuries, we, shouldn't use the term right. I don't I don't know how I want to say it, but that Lamar Jackson just looked like a really easy QB play. You've said that he had the potential to be the overall QB one at this point. I think that looks very likely. I mean, it looks like the the most likely scenario almost. So the biggest exciting thing I would say for me has been what it means for Lamar, jo- Lamar Jackson, but I, I'm I picked up a little bit of some of these veterans in spots where I thought it made some sense, but um, I'm not really expecting much out of any of them, to be honest with you. Do you feel like it's a good uh, situation in
2: week one for Williams with that matchup with the Raiders that even if he is still kind of in the learning process, even if he's not a star, I don't think anybody was expecting him to be a star. They're saying, you know, he's an interesting guy to stash behind Gus Edwards, you know, might almost be a little bit overwhelmed in this week one opportunity, but facing the Raiders is a pretty good situation.
1: Right. Yeah. I think from a, game script and game situation perspective, it sets up nicely. You know, the, the veterans, you wouldn't have the same sort of overwhelmed thoughts. They've been in a lot of different offenses. They should be able to pick things up relatively quickly. They might play a, a pretty good chunk right away, whoever is active. But Williams has been there with in, in camp and looked good, and all the beat reporters were extremely optimistic about what his role could be as soon as uh, Dobbins went down. I think it, you know, it's very clear that he's going to have – uh i would say a pretty sizable week one role and somewhere between 12 to 15 carries at least you know they'll probably rotate but i i I like playing him in week one and i think there's a decent chance that he gets um some of the goal line work and some of those things because the other guys are are, you know haven't even been there for a week
2: colin kelly here the executive producer of the road of his radio podcast network and co-host of the road of his overtime podcast along with the phenomenal sean Siegel. The wait is over. The NFL season is here, and there's no better time than the present to sign up for a Road NFL Pass. You'll get access to all of our content, all of our tools, everything you need to help you for that in-season success. As a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road NFL Pass just by adding the code RVRADIO2021
1: at checkout. Go to roadofhis.com forward slash podcast for more information. Let's go get those championships. I hope you enjoy the podcast.
3: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
2: Then we can't get out of our week one preview or really week one questions that we're looking to have answers for in the next uh, 72 hours here without giving you a chance to talk about your guy A.J. Brown is going to go against Rondell Moore in week one. I know that when people think Cardinals, Titans, they're thinking about it in those terms. They're thinking Brown, Moore, the two heavyweights of these teams respectively. Uh, How is this game going to play out? I I think that someone in our ship chasing league is battling with me. Every couple hours I go in and put Chase into the lineup and every couple hours someone else goes in and puts Rondell Moore back for Chase so uh more uh, the number two there right or or is it going to be aj green with
1: i thought it was you benching chase in all of our lineups but uh that must be pat or or pete um no i i think i think more obviously could get off to a fantastic start i'm very excited about him i think uh i'd be more excited about playing chase personally in week one at the same time i do think this is gonna be a really fun game the cardinals that's going to make them very thin at cornerback right out of the gate. You know, obviously Derrick Henry is going to be a big part of what the Titans want to do, but we know Arizona's going to play fast. It's going to be a fast-paced game. I'm very excited for AJ Brown in Week One. I think he has the opportunity to be to, to have an absolutely huge game. People are concerned about the knees and and all those things. It sounds like he's absolutely fine personally. I mean, everything I'm reading is suggesting that he's sort of just taking it easy. He had some you know some cleanup procedures and and those things, but now do you
2: have your internet filtered? So it only sends you the positive reports.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I wouldn't know if there's any negative news out there, but uh, from, from my understanding, everything looks great. (laughs) And (laughs) AJ Brown (laughs) is going to be the overall wide receiver one in week one with like three touchdowns and 150 yards. That's, that's what everything that I'm seeing is suggesting. I don't know. How are you feeling about it?
2: Yeah, it it should be a fun game. I, I, when I had these topics, I did fade A.J. Brown a little bit more than I was expecting because of some of the other guys there in terms of Justin Jefferson, D.K. Metcalf, C.D. Lamb, and the fact that they don't have the bye in the wrong week for FFPC and they're not in what could be a little bit of a lower pass volume offense with Julio Jones. Julio Jones, he's one of the big questions, right? We have one of the greatest all-time receivers changing teams in his 30s, has some injury issues in camp, obviously had the injury issues last year. We're starting to worry that he can't stay healthy, but as you pointed out, his ability to demand targets, obviously, is, is there. You know, Anytime that he's on the field, he's going to be someone who is open. I would like to think that the Titans are going to take a little bit from some of their teams as well and be a little bit more pass-oriented. They have Ryan Tannehill out there facing the <coughs> – Heavy run boxes in order to take away Derrick Henry. As a result, he's been very efficient. He's been finding his guys. He's got that hookup with AJ Brown. Last season, when it wasn't AJ Brown, we had this kind of breakout in efficiency from Corey Davis. That gives us a little bit of a sense of what someone like a Julio Jones could do—a much bigger talent in that same role. We're talking about Davis being efficient on his targets. It gives us a little bit of a window into what a superstar might do there. So. Jones also set up, I think, for a big game. And then we look at what the Cardinals are going to do as a result. we got Chase Edmonds. We've got James Conner. We do think that they're going to have manufactured touches for Rondell Moore. Are A.J. Green or Christian Kirk going to be involved in week one?
1: I mean, I assume so, but I don't know necessarily to what degree. And, and I'm, I I would be somewhat concerned, I, I guess about relying on them i mean i I don't think anyone really is based on adp relying on them but i've seen some positive report you know positive sort of fantasy football takes on aj green especially with how lady was going in drafts i think he's going to have a role and run a lot of routes i just i last year was rough right um so i'm i'm expecting them to be you know doing the four wide stuff and using those guys but for for me and and i think for you as well Ron moore is going to be the guy that looks more likely to be the second best producer in this passing game behind Hopkins. Uh, One more game I want to definitely talk about is the Panthers and Jets. It's been a lot made of, obviously, Sam Darnold. Right away, gets to face the Jets. Robbie Anderson, you get this sort of double revenge game, all of this stuff. Christian McCaffrey's back. I was just talking about how well things set up for A.J. Brown. There's obviously this other receiver that I love, D.J. Moore, in this game, and, and things maybe don't set up quite as well you would think which is also something that i'm not necessarily all that concerned about for week one if he doesn't have a big game right away if robbie anderson gets a lot of targets i think he can make a lot of sort of narrative based reasons why if they get christian mccaffrey involved a ton really early obviously you can understand that for me it's kind of like i'm i'm already setting myself up to have confirmation bias only and if dj Moore comes out and gets 10 targets then i'm going to decide that despite uh despite everything working against him in week one, where you wouldn't actually expect him to be massively involved. He went out and got 10 targets. Oh, he's, you know, he's a superstar now.
2: Yeah. So about a week, week and a half ago, I wrote an article saying that there are Stefan Diggs like plays. Now these guys aren't quite as cheap, but we're going to see a couple of guys take the step. And those two guys were DJ Moore and Chris Godwin. So I was kind of sitting there Thursday night thinking, okay, if Godwin is the guy who gets squeezed out in the Tampa Bay passing attack, then that's going to look very, very bad. But the profile there for him, and I feel like we saw that in week one, where there's going to be a role for Godwin unless he gets hurt. He's too good all over the field. He's going to run more routes, play more snaps. He's going to be the superstar with the Buccaneers. Now, when you and I were drafting our teams, we often had this choice, Right, of Moore or Godwin. It was frustrating because we had to take both of them a little bit before ADP based on where we were drafting, but we felt like ADP was wrong, right? That these guys were going to outperform that. Now that we've seen Godwin play and we have a little bit of a sense that, okay, he's probably not going to be the guy who squeezed out. He probably is healthy. I mean, I have a tiny bit of regret and I wouldn't mind shifting those shares from Moore to Godwin, but I think he's set up very nicely, right? If he scores touchdowns this season, one of the things that we've talked about is that if you have too much of an underneath role or too much of a vertical role, that's actually not what you're looking for, right? It's this air yards times the targets or the targets are the most important part and then you do want some air yards with it. But last year he was targeted too far down the field. That's a point that you've made repeatedly. It looks like that's going to drop into a range where he can be Diggs. That's one of the things that we saw last year. 2019 Diggs was one of the best vertical receivers in the NFL, 2020 he was just the best receiver right? And so I think that we're going to see that from more. I think he's going to switch the target leadership with Robbie Anderson, which is maybe the most bizarre thing of last season, to see them manufacturing these targets for Anderson, which isn't a shot at Anderson. He's a very good player. He's an underrated player, right? But they're going to make more the focal point for this offense. I think not having those Curtis Samuel targets will help Marshall taking those going to open up the field a little bit more. The question now is with CMC back, does that improve the touchdown ceiling for the whole team to the point everybody benefits or did they cannibalize a little bit with Christian McCaffrey simply being so good and then obviously we have the wild card of Darnold Uh, is he even a little bit of an improvement on Bridgewater or is he another step down right so I would have a little bit of concern about that but I'm excited to see in week one I think that's going to be the big question how do they use more is it in this digs role and can Darnold Execute the passes because if he can, then I think we're going to start to see weekly these lines of eight, one twenty, and one for more, in which case he'll pay off very nicely for you at his ADP. Yeah,
1: and that one, as you mentioned, the, the touchdown uh will be a big part of it for him because we have not seen any big touchdown scoring from him yet. And that's that's gonna be a big part of his breakout if that were to come. Uh what do you think about? I guess one of the only games we haven't talked about is the Seattle Colts game. Uh, you, you've you mentioned a few times now that the the Naheem Hines buzz has been has been growing, that they need to get more touches for Naheem Hines. We know they're going to probably work in Marlon Mack. I, I have to cop to being a little bit concerned about how much we're going to see Jonathan Taylor. I hope he is. I mean, it almost doesn't matter because he's such a good player, but I, I, I certainly hope that he's efficient right out of the gate, sort of demands a pretty strong part of the backfield it doesn't seem like he's going to be a clear workhorse necessarily and I do think they will use Hines a little bit more than I was thinking earlier in the offseason so kind of curious what how you think the the Colts running backs will look
2: Well, well Dr. Jeffrey Budoff has done some good research for us on the Achilles injury and he kind of foreshadowed this situation that seems like it's coming to pass where Mac would come back but wouldn't have the explosiveness yet for a pretty good chunk of time into the future to be someone who would really challenge Taylor for a lot of touches. Now we saw the other night with Ezekiel Elliott, if you do have a good backup and I think the Heinz is, is more the, the Pollard kind of role and they take even some snaps in a game where you end up passing a lot, then very quickly the starters overall workload is down in a total EP range that just simply doesn't work. Right? So if you then don't get in and we saw Elliott uh, get stopped on their kind of optionish play at the goal line didn't seem like a great play design i think that was the play that cost the cowboys the game uh that was kind of the situation where i thought that they should have gone for it on fourth down there but we look at taylor i think he's still i, I was reading something the other day and included it in my sort of zero rb update because i had referenced times but was talking about the situation where the coaching staff the front office are Suggesting they think Jonathan Taylor is going to be the AFC Offensive Player of the Year, and yeah, you want your you want the people who are the coaches, the front office to believe in their guys. And I think if you're Jonathan Taylor, that makes you feel very good. I think it's a great sign for how Taylor, you know, maybe taking this next step that I've talked about in terms of. I mean, I think he should be in that three, four, five range at running back. It's also a little cocky, right, and fun to have the Colts coming out and saying, I mean, our guy is so good. I mean, he's going to be the offensive player of the year. And so I think that that kind of, for me, counterbalances some of this Hines buzz. Now Heinz is very good. He should touch the ball a lot. When I hear them saying they need to use him more, I'm kind of thinking to myself, okay, well, that's a good sign because it maybe it means that they'll be able to use him the same amount. I mean, even just him maintaining what he did last year would be good. For, from a fantasy perspective from a reality perspective so that's kind of the way that i think it'll work out i don't think that mac will be good enough to take a lot of touches i think that that will still run through taylor at the same time and again a little bit because of the buy, when we did a team rv draft the other day we passed on taylor um three or four picks into the second round and, and took one of these i think we took calvin ridley in that draft and so even in round two we have some concerns about the colts and so Seeing what Carson Wentz does, I mean, there's just a limit to how good you can be if your quarterback is a disaster. I, I don't think that with Hilton going down, with Campbell having some at least mild things going on, with maybe not a ton of buzz about Michael Pittman, and it may be that I'm, I'm you know, I have, again, my internet set to you know, be giving me all the Jonathan Taylor stuff, but the passing offense there seems like it has some major red flags. When we're looking at guys like Zach Pascal being potentially a very relevant guy in week one, which I think if you're a Colts fan a month ago, looking at the players they have on that team, that's not where you would hope to be a couple days away from the season.
1: Definitely. Well, Sean, it's going to be an incredibly fun week one. We're finally here. It's been a long off season. And then everything is going to change. You know, everything changed on Thursday night. It felt like a lot of things that, were certainly possible, started to show. You know, I mentioned on the first episode where we were sort of previewing week one that I had been a little bit concerned about Evans and Godwin together, especially in my off stealing signals article on the, on the Bucks. Um Mentioned that I was taking Godwin in, in some spots. I, I, like you, wish I had more of him. But I never got all the way around to then targeting Antonio Brown. <laughs> you know, I'm sort of a little bit of an ageist in that regard. It, it seems like, you know, that was the, the next logical step that I should have taken in, in my thought process was that, well, then that makes Brown an interesting target at his price. You know, Gronkowski, obviously now with Gallup getting hurt, it changes a lot for for Dallas. But um, there are some positive things as well. I mean, being a little bit concerned about Ezekiel Elliott proved to be pretty accurate, I think, either on this episode or the last, that that Zeke maybe should, be a th- should have been a third or a fourth round pick, not, not a first round pick. And I, and I feel like, you know, he, he still played a lot in, in week one, but we sort of saw the reasons why there. That's going to happen in every single game in week one. And so there's a, there's a lot that we're talking about here that we're excited to see. There's a lot that we won't even have foreseen at all. A lot of places where some new trends could really show up. And so it'll be very, very fun. I'm excited to break it all down, stealing signals after the week. And you and I will be chatting Sunday night for a Monday morning week one recap every week. We'll also be doing some pods later in the week, sort of previewing each week. Yeah, looking forward to the long season. It should be a blast. We have an extra game, right? So an extra
2: week of fun and more time for the zero RB lineups to prove themselves over the course of this longer season. As you mentioned, we'll be doing Sunday nights. We'll be doing some during the week. We'll have some more guests on. The guests have been absolutely fantastic. we appreciate so much having been able to build this community and share with all of you uh, during the last couple of months. And we appreciate so much that you've listened, that you've shared the show. And yeah, we're, we're excited to watch week one of the season with you and, and see what happens. We've got this Patriots Dolphins game as well, where we've got a decent amount of Dolphins exposure. So it'll be interesting to see if Jalen Waddell gets a, a 30% target share or gets 10 plus targets in the first week with Will Fuller on the bench. And then obviously we'll have Fuller going forward from that point. But Ben, did you, did you want to leave us with a a bold prediction for uh, the week one of games?
1: Uh, I'll say AJ Brown's the overall top scoring wide receiver. So we're, we're going
2: to, are, are we going to be in a situation where the Thursday night game no longer looks like such a shootout after we played, are there going to be three or four games that uh, One of the things that happens after the first night, and it's kind of fun to, to think about, is like what are our chances to win in week one? If you played, say, Gronkowski and Amari Cooper, then you're feeling like, okay, I'm 0-1. Uh, is that going to turn around? Are we going to see enough scoring for people to come back from these big deficits that they may have racked up on Thursday night? I think we'll definitely
1: see some big shootouts. For Yeah, for A.J. Brown, I, I, I should say my hot take is A.J. Brown will be the, <laughs> the top scoring receiver from here on out. He's chasing Amari Cooper, having put up, uh, what was it, 48.9 points, I think, in PPR. So that's going to be challenging. Am I counting that up right? No, 38.9. But still, he would need a 40-point a game. Probably not the most likely prediction, but I think he can do it. I, I think we'll see some, some blow-up games. I'm expecting Diggs to blow up and that Buffalo-Pittsburgh game to go big. I'm expecting You know, we talked about the Cleveland-KC game. Hopefully, the the Minnesota-Cincinnati game is interesting. A little bit concerned about that one. I think the Arizona-Tennessee one is going to be very exciting. So, yeah, there's going to be plenty of points scored this week,
2: I think. I'm getting the sense. You you keep talking about it, uh, that you're expecting Tua and Mac Jones to also both go over 375
1: passes. Yeah, that game is going to be explosive – uh, barn burner, whatever, whatever term you want to use. There's going to be so many points scored in that game. We won't even know what to do with ourselves. You heard it here first. If it does happen, we will clip that out and not make it sound so
2: sarcastic. Uh, for Ben Gretsch, I'm Sean Siegel. You can follow Ben at, at yards progression. Make sure you get signed up for stealing signals. I keep mentioning it, but you're going to want it this week when week one happens and you're trying to figure out how to make all the moves going into week two, fix your team, get it set up to go undefeated. You are going to want to have the Stealing Signals newsletter. Please sign up and join us at Rotavis. We're having a great time over there. Lots of cool tools. We've got articles set for all through the week that will help you transition through all the different formats that you play. You can get a ten percent discount using the code RV Radio Twenty uh, Twenty One. Please leave me leave us a rating and review. Uh, we've got so many great things from you guys. We really can't believe it's been too much. Really. Uh, Also, subscribe to the feed. You get the shows like this, the special episodes, as soon as they come out. And until we talk with you after week one, have a good one.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why?